My short khutbah today is taken from uh, chapter 90, verse 4. The English translation is quite simple. It is, and certainly man was created to face difficulties. Chapter 90, verse 4. So, I was sitting uh, <coughs> in the house of one of our friends, who was a very devout Christian, and we were just chatting, and we were and they were praying for difficulties that people were experiencing. And uh, it just came to my mind that if we were to take something very simple and very mundane, like a rubber band, and hold it in our hand, then we will see it has no use, for, use to us. But if we were to stretch this rubber band and twist it until it takes on different shapes and sizes, and even strengths, then it fulfills the purpose for which it was created. Going through the pages of the Holy Quran, we see that the human being too, like the rubber band, when they are born, they go through different phases, they take on and go through different stages, they get taller, and through illnesses and experience and trials in life, they too eventually fulfill the purpose for which they are created. Allah says in chapter 29, verses 2, Do people think that they will be left to say we believe and not be tried? So trials is the physical strength, so it's a physical stretch, just like that rubber band has to be stretched in order for it to take on a different shape and form and fulfill the purpose for which it was created, we too have to be stretched, whether young or old. We too have to experience trials. So trials is the physical stretch for our souls. Thus the merciful God says in the whole Quran, successful indeed is he who causes it to grow. Chapter 91 verse 9. For, and as a result, this is the test. The test is trials that helps and nourishes our soul and causes it to grow. The merciful God has created human beings to learn about him. And he has prescribed the methodology to fulfill the real purpose of their existence. Our physical self grows and is nurtured with food and exercise. And our spiritual self grows and is nurtured with trials. <coughs> Thus, Allah says in his scripture, We have not created the man and the jinn except that, except that they may worship me. Chapter 51, verse 56. At the very inception of Revelation, Allah says to the angels in chapter 2, verses 30 to 32. He says, I'm going to place to the angels, I'm going to place a ruler on the earth. The angels replied, Why will thou place one who will cause mischief? and cause bloodshed, while we extol thy praises. Allah responded to them by saying, I know that which you know not. Thus the, re the verse reveals the nature of mankind as that of a being that is mischievous and as someone who will even cause bloodshed to have his own way. Most Muslims look at this verse of the Quran 
and claim that this is when Allah decided to place Adam on earth. However, a deeper understanding or reflection on the verse shows that for the angels to have such a response to Allah, they would have had to witness or seen or known of what bloodshed and mischief was. And they could have only done this if they had seen this through pre-Adamic civilization. And this is why they were able to describe the nature of mankind in response to what Allah was saying to them. It's very interesting if you pay attention to the verse. The Holy Quran elsewhere says in chapter 4 verse 28 that man is created weak. And elsewhere again it says in chapter 29 verse 37 that man is created of haste. So when Allah said to the angels, I know that which you do not, deep within the knowledge of Allah lies the true purpose or the true power of human endurance and submission, despite man being weak, hasty, and even murderous. So just as a rubber band has to be stretched to fulfill the purpose for which it was created, so too the human beings have to be stretched in order to truly experience the divine in this life. Very common expression, well known to everyone, is seeing is believing. A brief study of all faiths reveals that Islam and Judaism are probably the only two religions that does not have an image or deity in the form of a shape or something that is considered to be God. So faith in these two religions is stretched. What do I mean by that? It asks its believers and followers to believe in the unseen. It is easier to believe in something which you can see and relate to. Chapter 2 verses 2 to 4 Allah says, Who believe in the unseen and Allah and the last day. None of us have seen the last day. None of us have seen Allah. None of us have seen the Prophet Muhammad. Or even Abraham, but we are asked to believe in the unseen. Things which we have gone before us and things which are yet to come. So Allah is asking you to push yourself a little bit. Believe in the unseen. There are things which you don't know of. It asks you, the Quran asks you to do good deeds in this life for a reward that you will get in the next life. It says that you will enter a paradise and it's described in a hadith that paradise is a place that no eyes has seen, no ears has heard of and no heart could ever conceive of. Such is the ask in religion when it talks about the unseen. It's asking you to push the boundaries of your fate. The first pillar of Islam is fate. Physically. Does religion ask you to stretch yourself like the rubber band physically? Let's see what the Quran says. Chapter 2, verse 188. O you who believe, fasting is prescribed for you as it was prescribed to those before you, so that you may develop discipline or you may become righteous. Here, the physical nature of mankind is stretched, especially in the long hours of summertime. 
For some people, climbing Mount Everest or trekking across the North Pole is the real test of human endurance. However, if these same people were asked to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning, have your suhoor, read your fajr at 3.15, and fast the whole day, and break the fast at 9.30, 10 o'clock in the, in the ni night, I wonder if they will be able to conquer themselves, despite having conquered the far corners of the world and the highest mountains of the world. The secret of the physical stretch is to fulfill a higher purpose. And what is that purpose? It is the uncovering of the soul and its perfection. Allah says in chapter 91, verses 8 to 10, it says, He indeed prospers who purifies it, and he indeed fails who buries it. The merciful God wants us to have every opportunity to benefit from all the halal abstentions, so much so that he encourages, that we are encouraged to make up the fast that we miss during the month of Ramadan. We are, we are even given the opportunity to feed a poor person three meals to compensate if we are unable to fast due to illness. Herein lies the mercy of the one God, in that he gives us the opportunity to stretch ourselves and earn Allah's blessings of Ramadan, although we cannot fast. The balance being, if you are going to feed a poor person three meals, then give them the same quality and the same quantity that you would have had yourself. So if you were going to have uh, steak and chips for dinner, don't give them a McDonald's. Okay? So in a manner of speaking, this is Allah saying, stretch your wealth in order to compensate for being unable to physically stretch yourself. In other words, you are sick or you are, you are ill, you cannot keep the fast physically, then hey, here's, here's my compensation, stretch your wealth. Let's see what you do. <clears throat> How gracious is the God of all mankind, that he gave every people the same opportunity to benefit from this institution. If you were to look at all scriptures, they all still have remnants of what the Muslims do today, what I call the Islamic fast. And this is to be found in their text and in their rituals. What about spiritually? Are we asked to stretch ourselves spiritually? Yes, of course we are. The next opportunity for mankind to fulfill the purpose of his existence is prayer or salat. Muslims are required to pray five times a day. Give up his sleep in the early hours of the morning when most people are asleep. Give up some of his lunch break at midday to do Zohar prayers. Interrupt his tea time with prayer for Asr. End the day with Maghrib and commence his night with Isha. People who don't understand these will say, what an inconvenience. Especially if it breaks up my day, if I have meetings and I have a tight schedule at work. What an inconvenience. No wonder. Moses said to the Holy Prophet Muhammad in the Miraj, 
Five times a day is too much for your people. Go back and ask Allah to reduce it. However, no one knows us better than the one who created us. Here again, we can relate the response of Allah to the angels when he said, I know that which you know not. How about financially? What does religion ask us to do financially? Well, a Muslim is asked to pay the poor rate. Chapter 22, verse 41. According to our Holy Prophet Muhammad, begging is forbidden in Islam. It is related in Hadith number 1471, Book of Zakat, in Sahih Bukhari, Volume 2. The, <coughs> the Holy Prophet said, it is better for any one of you to take a rope and bring a bundle of wood over his back and sell it. And Allah will save his face because of that, rather than to ask people who may or may not give you. So when a Muslim is asked to pay the poor rate, then to give charity, to feed the poor, to look after orphans, all of these require that a Muslim should be gainfully employed or have a mechanism of income, so much so that they are not a burden on the state and that they are able to meet the dictates of the Quran. Thus, they are required to stretch themselves financially, not only to pay taxes, however, they are asked to do more. What about intellectual stretch? Does Allah require you to exert your brain power? We all know it's all over the Quran, it's all in the Hadith. Knowledge is obligatory on every Muslim. Seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave. Seek knowledge even though it may be in China. The Prophet Muhammad has said, the seeking of knowledge is obligatory on every Muslim, reported in Tirmidhi, Hadith 74. And the very famous verse of the Quran, my Lord, increase me in knowledge. The very first word of revelation, read in the name of your Lord. All of these instructions collectively from Allah in his book and our Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam, suggests that the life of a Muslim should be spent in the acquisition of knowledge, even if he has to travel to China to get it. The Quran contains so many scientific facts. It bewilders me that Muslims today still wait to see the moon. But they are quick to acknowledge scientific discoveries which are in accordance with the Quranic verse. Ironically and interestingly, the scientific discoveries have all been made by non-Muslims. What say you, O Muslims? It seems that the non-Muslims are the ones who are exerting and stretching themselves <coughs> in search of knowledge and inadvertently obey the command of Allah and the Holy Prophet Muhammad while the Muslims continue to regress into Jahiliyyah. <coughs> Working in the NHS today, I can safely tell you Non-Muslims are the ones who are asked to go to the Middle Eastern countries to teach their doctors and their surgeons. They train them 
in surgery, in medical technology, in all sorts of different techniques. They are even asked to go and teach languages. This is indeed a great embarrassment for Muslims, as Muslims are the ones who are responsible for the renaissance in Europe and the Western world. Yet still every year during the month of Ramadan, we have the same issue. I will ask simply, how do you know what time is Fajr? Do you wait? How do you know when to have your suhoor? Are you awake underneath your pillow? Do you have the black tread and the white tread as, as the Prophet Muhammad said to do? Are you following the sunnah of the Prophet? How do you know what time is your zuhur namaz? Do you have a stick in the ground in your yard or in the masjid? So you can check the shadow? Or are you going by calculation? So please don't make a mockery of this beautiful religion. In the end, there is a culmination of all of these stretches that Allah has asked you to make. To stretch your wealth, to stretch your intellect, to spiritually stretch yourself, to physically stretch yourself. Why has he asked us to do all of this? Well, they all culminate in one very beautiful event. Finally, all faiths have some form of pilgrimage to a holy shrine. Some Christians go to Jerusalem, some Catholics go to Rome, the Vatican, some Hindus go to different shrines. Buddhists, some of them go to Tibet, seeing the, visiting the Dalai Lama. Some Jews visit the Wailing Wall and the Temple of Solomon. Islam makes it compulsory to perform the Hajj once in your lifetime, as the Holy Prophet Muhammad also performed the Hajj once in his lifetime. However, this is not a simple feat. It requires that you should be debt-free and in at least some form of good health. You must also have enough provision. You must provide for your family before you go and for as long as you would be away from them. It also requires that you have enough funds to travel, whether it's your airfare, your hotel, and when you go there, you have to perform your sacrifice as well. So you need to have your money to buy a sheep or a goat or take part in a, in a camel. <clears throat> this journey represents the culmination of the, of the combination of the stretch in the life of a Muslim. It also reminds us of the promise that Allah made to his friend Abraham. <clears throat> when Allah says in the Quran, and when we made the house a resort for men and a place of security, and take ye the place of Abraham for a place of prayer, and we enjoined on Abraham and Ishmael saying, purify my house for those who visit it and those who abide in it for devotion and those who bow down and those who prostrate themselves. Chapter two, verse one, two, five. We also read in chapter two, verse 156, the Safa and Marwa are truly amongst the signs of Allah. So in conclusion of my short khutbah, the Quran tells us what we need to do to stretch ourselves, to extend ourselves in order to have the good things of this life and of the hereafter. The question is, O oh Muslims, do you really want it? Amen. I